Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Emergency Docs. As a general disclaimer, please keep in mind that this podcast does not constitute medical advice, but is purely for the purposes of education. I'm excited to announce my new co-host, Dr. Justin Yannick. I'll let him introduce himself, but I'm really excited to partner with him. Hi everyone, I'm super excited to be a part of this podcast. When Dr. R asked me if I wanted to help her educate people about all aspects of medicine, uh, I'll be honest, at first I was a little skeptical about whether the world needed another podcast, but when I started to do some digging, there really isn't any podcast nor any news medium out there that seeks to give the information that doctors like Dr. R and I are so fortunate to learn uh, to the people. I truly hope this podcast can be a space where we can empower people to learn more about the human body. Whether it is as granular as what causes a heart attack to what causes low back pain, to is a ketogenic diet right for me, all the ways to train best for a high altitude climb, we aren't here to bloviate. Elena has these incredible academic credentials that highlight her passion and belief in the scientific process. And while my pedigree is not nearly as impressive as hers, yes, it I'm is. just as passionate about the scientific process. We hope this podcast can be a place people come for facts, a place where people can confidently come to learn what the evidence shows about CBD ointments, a place where people can hear about some of the craziest things we have seen in the emergency department. But most importantly, we hope this can be a place where we close the gap in knowledge between the doctor and patient, consumer and buyer, so you could become a more active, informed participant in all aspects of your health and well-being. Now, my background is a bit unique. I did train in emergency medicine along Dr. R and still practice emergency medicine, but I also did an interventional pain medicine fellowship out here at Harvard Massachusetts General Hospital. This extra training in pain medicine has given me a vast breadth of knowledge um, regarding all aspects of pain that I hope throughout these podcasts I can share with you. And a little personal note, I am an avid runner. I've run many big trail races, including the 100 mile Angeles Crest 100 mile race. And yes, we can talk about this at some point in the future. The science of ultra running is quite interesting, well, at least to me. And I also love to surf, play with my Pomeranian and spend time with my amazing wife. I am so excited to have you here. Dr. Yannick is an incredible physician and human being. I'm really looking forward to learning more about pain medicine, but especially endurance training. He's not kidding. He actually runs 100 mile races. Thank you so much for being here today. So today we're gonna talk about back pain. This is a huge topic and we see tons of back pain in the emergency department. So we're gonna break this topic down into a few episodes. This first episode is going to focus on a few of the main causes of back pain and also some of the worrisome signs. Often, acute back pain can turn into chronic back pain, and that's where I, or your local pain medicine specialist, can come in to help alleviate some of the symptoms and help patients get back to some of their normal daily activities. Yes, I think there's a lot of room for discussion on these topics, so let's get started. Okay, so there are some causes of back pain that are pretty common and, while painful, are not life-threatening. For most of these causes of back pain, we will attempt to treat the pain in the ED or the emergency department with the understanding that there is a very good chance we will not be able to make this pain go away completely. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I always try to tell my patients up front that we'll do everything we can to treat your back pain, but we will not be able to fix it. This is likely going to be a problem that lasts days to years, and we can reduce the pain and try to make it manageable, but it's probably not going to be completely gone when you leave the emergency department today. A lot of treatments for common causes of back pain require long-term treatments like physical therapy. To improve quality of life will take a commitment from the patient, from the patient's regular doctor, and from specialist services, but we'll talk about these treatments more in the future. 
So let's go over a few of the most common causes of back pain we see in the emergency department. So I think one of the most common causes of back pain is sciatica, usually related to a herniated disc. This type of injury usually occurs after a patient has been doing heavy lifting, moving a sofa, or starting a new exercise regimen. Sometimes it happens even just moving the wrong way or moving too quickly. For me, it actually happened when I fell down some stairs. Yeah, I've definitely suffered from both acute and chronic back pain, um, probably largely stemming from the fact that I run these absurd distances that's probably not good for my body. (laughs) It can be debilitating. Your spine is built as a column that is cushioned by these tiny little discs of connective tissue between the bone. Now, in some cases, that connective tissue can become inflamed or even crushed in a sense that it herniates or pops out and puts pressure on your nerves the nerves that actually sense pain. This type of back pain can be very frustrating for patients. It often takes weeks to months to heal properly. You wanna be somewhat active, but not too active. And in the ED, we'll probably prescribe NSAIDs or medications similar to ibuprofen, basically. Um, We might do lidocaine patches or muscle relaxers. Physical therapy can be useful for many of these patients. Symptoms someone with sciatica might experience include low back pain that radiates to one leg. Usually it kind of shoots down the leg and is worse with walking, activity, twisting, or sitting upright. Again, the best way to treat this pain is to be patient and work with your doctor. In most cases, narcotic medications are not appropriate for long-term treatment of this kind of pain. Herniated discs are usually diagnosed based on symptoms and or MRI. We do not have the capacity to do MRIs for sciatica in the ER, so the patient will most likely have to follow up with their primary physician to schedule an outpatient MRI. That's a great point. I do have patients come in sometimes asking for an MRI for chronic back pain, and we just don't have the capacity to do that in the ER. Please, please be respectful to your ER staff if they tell you they can't order a test. There are a lot of working parts involved in making an ER run and allowing as many patients to be seen as possible. Another type of back pain we see pretty often is the muscle strain. Ah, yes, the muscle strain. They can be incredibly painful. And for many patients, it's something they've never had before, so it can be scary. Usually the patient will feel pain in the muscles of the back just on the side of the the midline part of the spine. It will hurt when you press on the area and likely will hurt with movement, bending, and twisting. Muscle strain can occur with new physical activities, sports, heavy lifting, moving the wrong way, sitting in one position for too long, falling asleep in the wrong position, or stretching too vigorously. It's actually caused by small micro tears in the muscle fibers. The great news is once it heals, the patient is back to normal. There's no long-term healing process, and it usually takes a couple of days. Treatments for muscle strain include many of the same treatments for sciatica. These include NSAIDs, such as ibuprofen Advil, lidocaine patches, but you can also try trigger point injections, which can help release some of those tense muscle bundles or knots, as they might be commonly referred. Trigger point injections are great and can cause instantaneous relief for back strains, but especially neck strains. It involves injecting sterile water, sometimes saline, or lidocaine into the muscle tissue at the point of maximal tenderness. This injection will help break up these tight fibers and release some of the tension that's being caused by this pain. Yeah, I agree. I have had a lot of success for patients with muscle strains using trigger point injections. They usually feel better within seconds to minutes, which is really satisfying as a doctor. So now we're going to discuss some of the more worrying causes of back pain. Next up is fractures. So as we mentioned before, the spine is of a column made up of bone and connective tissues. In trauma, enough force can be applied to the bone to cause it to break or fracture. 
There are some fractures that are considered stable, where the spinal column maintains its stability even with the fracture. Now, there are unstable fractures, and those are ones where the spine cannot maintain its structural integrity because the fracture changes the alignment of the spine. Unstable fractures are extremely dangerous and are usually the reason an ER doc is going to order a CT in the emergency department. We don't want to miss these fractures. Warnings for this type of pain include pain in the spinal column, usually around a specific point of maximum pain on the spine. This spot will be tender when the doctor pushes on it. The CT will be used to diagnose the fracture. Treatments for fractures are variable depending on the type of fracture and the location of the fracture. Some cases will require a brace, reduce physical activity, or in some cases even surgery. In the case of a transverse process or spinal process fracture, there's not really any specific treatment beyond light activity until the patient feels better. That's always a hard one to explain to patients. Sir, you broke your back, but there's not really anything to do for it. <laughs> I found diagrams can be really useful to demonstrate load-bearing bones versus non-weight-bearing bones. Yeah, that is always challenging. Sometimes it's also difficult to weigh the risks versus benefits of even obtaining a CT scan, particularly in young women or pregnant women who have had a trauma. We are constantly weighing different options and trying to make the choice that will cause the least harm to the patient. While we always like to practice evidence-based medicine, sometimes there are no answers to specific questions and we try to make the best choices possible with the patients. Absolutely. There are a lot of challenges and thousands of decisions made by ER docs daily. I personally try to involve patients in these decisions whenever possible, but many times the choices are based off of clinical decision rules. For example, Nexus or Canada criteria, clinical suspicion, mechanism, history, exam, and many, many other factors. Yeah, Nexus and Canada criteria are clinical decision tools built off of massive data banks that help physicians make decisions about whether imaging is needed based on risk factors and symptoms. We can dive into these decision tools in more depth in the future. Okay. So another diagnosis we think about but thankfully rarely diagnose is cancer. Spinal cancer can cause symptoms similar to fractures or sciatica, so it can be difficult to diagnose. Often the suspicion for spinal cancer is only increased if the patient has a history of cancer. Patients with spinal malignancy may also have symptoms of unilateral or bilateral leg weakness, numbness, or difficulty walking. These are major warning signs for severe pathology. If our suspicion is high for cancer, we're likely going to order an MRI in the emergency department. However, this again depends on the patient's specific case and specific symptoms. Yeah, back pain is really just one of those things where the chief complaint requires an individualized approach. There's not a really a one-size-fits-all. Back malignancies are often metastatic, meaning the primary cancer is elsewhere, but then the cancer spreads to the back. Examples of some of the primary cancers that can lead to spinal metastases include lung, prostate, breast, and colon cancer. A patient who already has one of these types of cancer is another major warning sign that the back pain may not be from a benign cause. Another cause we really worry about also is epidural abscesses. Yes, epidural abscesses usually present with spinal pain, tenderness, fever, and a key clue is a history of IV drug use. An abscess is a fluid collection of infected material, which is typically bacterial. IV drug users may not always use clean needles, and the sterility of the drugs is always in question. So this can easily introduce bacteria intravenously, where it can then make its way to the spine and cause an abscess. I ask 
every single patient with back pain if they have a history of IV drug use, which sometimes leads to some funny looks from patients. Another high-risk group for epidural abscess is anyone who's immunocompromised. For example, people living with HIV or AIDS or other immunocompromising diseases. People who are on chronic immunosuppressants like steroids or immunotherapy as well. This is another group who gets an MRI in the ED. We do not want to miss that abscess. We should also mention that meningitis can also cause fever and back pain, but this is more commonly associated with headache and neck pain. We're focused more on lower back pain in this episode, so we'll discuss meningitis later on. And now we'll discuss the scariest of the scary back pain causes, cauda equina syndrome. Yeah, this is scary for patients and ER doctors. Patients with cauda equina can have rapidly progressing weakness, which can lead to paralysis. This is something that requires, as we would say, a STAT MRI in the ED. Other symptoms can include urinary retention or incontinence, stool retention or constipation, or stool incontinence. Patients likely will have a finding called saddle anesthesia, where they'll have sometimes numbness in the groin area. On a rectal exam, patients will have poor rectal tone. This is a real true emergency where seconds count. You want to get the MRI, talk to your local spinal surgeon, and get the patient to the operating room as quickly as possible. Delays can lead to permanent paralysis. This has all really just scratched the surface of the massive chief complaint of back pain. We'll get into a few more causes as well as treatments in our next episode. As far as I know, back pain is a very common chief complaint for a pain medicine doc like Dr. Y. I'm sure you'll be able to give a ton of great information on this in our next back pain episode. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of those diagnoses I see most and feel like as a pain medicine specialist, I can make a huge difference in a patient's quality of life. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, that wraps up this podcast. See you guys next week. And as always, please feel free to connect with us on our website at www.theemergencydocs.com, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.